Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Acknowledge Dogs Podcast. I am your host, Michael, owner and head trainer at matadorcanine.com. You can head over to matadorcanine.com and schedule a free consultation today. We can get you started doing some virtual online coaching for you and your dog. Build the strength and bond that you want and fix all those problem behaviors. Reach your goals at matadorcanine.com. Welcome to the episode. Today we are talking about the famous and the infamous drives. Okay, now why do I say the infamous and the famous? Well, drives are commonly referred to when we're talking about dogs in the sport or police world, competition world. We're basically saying that these dogs are in drive or we put them in drive while we're working. And what happens is we're actually confusing the term drive with motivation. Now, drive insinuates that there is some kind of buildup. Okay, so the dog actually starts building up this energy. It's developed in them. It grows, and it needs to be released. Okay, there was a gentleman named Clark Hull. He had developed this drive reduction theory. In the 1950s, it got disproven but it has kind of stuck around since then. But drives do not exist. They have never existed, and they will never exist. Basically, Clark Hull said that one drive was supposed to be comprised of multiple behaviors, but it was supposed to explain all of those behaviors. So you could say prey drive. Okay, prey drive was all of the behaviors that would be considered in predatory aggression. So the stalking behavior, the following behavior, um, the quiet behavior of lowering themselves and staring, and then the eventual chase, catch, and dispatch. All those behaviors were supposed to fall into one drive, but they didn't. Each behavior seemed to be independent. Okay. So the way I want you to think about it, here's a quick analogy. If you were to eat chocolate cake, okay, I love chocolate, I love cake. I love chocolate cake. If I were to eat chocolate cake and I were to have two slices, Clark Hall would say that the hunger drive might be satiated, right? Maybe I have to have a third or a fourth slice for it to be satiated, but then it should be over and done with, but it's not. You know, I have a little ginger ale, help my stomach feel better, and then I could have a fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth slice of cake. Now, that might seem like a lot. But I love chocolate cake, right? So the dopamine that's being released every time I take a bite of delicious chocolate cake is worth pushing through the uncomfortable feeling in my belly. And I continue to eat the cake. But that goes against drives and the fact that they build and build and build and they can be satisfied. They can't be satisfied. Right? Okay. So what do drives do for trainers? Well, it basically gives them an excuse. Okay, it gives trainers an excuse to say, well, my dog doesn't have a lot of drive today. Or, my dog has too much drive today. Right? It also gives the opportunity for people to say, well, my dog didn't listen because they're in drive. 
you know, they didn't recall because they have really high prey drive, which we know is predatory aggression. Okay. Now, there are things that play a role in your dog's motivation and aggression. Aggression is just behavior. That's all it is. It's an outward expression of behavior. Okay. So, implementing these few things, you can alter their aggression. You can change behavior. We know that. We know we can change behavior. All you have to do is think about it as behavior. You guys are thinking about it as aggression, and then it becomes this whole new thing. It's only a whole new thing because aggression can be scary. Having a dog stare you in the eye and want to inflict real damage is scary. But it's behavior. That's all it is. Okay, now I don't mean to boil down anybody's trouble or stress to, oh, well, it's just behavior, just deal with it. That's not what I'm saying. I completely understand you are stressed. I completely understand that it is hard. I completely understand that things happen. Uh, and if you're not with a competent trainer or someone who's been doing this for a while, then you might be in the wrong wheelhouse. Okay, so you need to find somebody who's competent and who has done this. And if it's not safe for your family to have that kind of dog around, then you should find a new home for the dog. That's just what it is. Okay, but if you're willing to work through it, there are a couple things that you can do. Number one, you can't control this. It's genetics. Okay, if a dog has a genetic predisposition to be slightly more aggressive, that's fine. We just now have to use our other factors to influence where that aggression gets taken out on, where it goes, how do we limit it, right? Second, we got the operant conditioning facts. Positive reinforcement, positive punishment, negative reinforcement, negative punishment. Those four could be very helpful in targeting the right things that we want the dog to do. Okay, now notice what I said, targeting the right things we want the dog to do. So if your dog has predatory aggression, they want to chase, catch, and dispatch prey, you need to make a really fun game that involves those things. Best sports exercise would be lure, right? Lure coursing. Have you done lure coursing with your dog? Now, if you've done lure coursing with your dog, have you done obedience lure coursing with your dog? Hmm. Obedience lure coursing with your dog. What does obedience lure coursing with your dog look like? One, can your dog do obedience around the lure? That is the first step. If your dog cannot do obedience around the lure, you shouldn't be doing lure. And I don't mean doing obedience when the lure is still. I mean the lure can be running around, moving, switching direction, actively changing, and your dog can sit and do obedience. That is what you need to do prior to giving them the cue to chase it, right? Police dogs are supposed to be able to do this. You should have a decoy, someone in a bite suit, called a decoy. You should have a decoy on the field, and the police dog should be doing their obedience and their focus work, all their other stuff first. Then they do the opportunity of bite work, and then they go back to obedience. Everybody wants to do the fun part. Everybody wants to do the exciting part. Oh, yeah, I got bit. That's great. Where's the obedience? Where's the obedience? It's got to be a sandwich. Obedience, bite work, obedience. So if the lore coursing is the same thing, obedience and focus, 
lore, obedience, and focus. You will mess up your dog if you do them separately. They are not separate entities. Obedience, lore, obedience. If you do obedience on Tuesday, and Wednesday you do lore, and on Thursday you do obedience, your dog's going to start to go, okay, well, we're only doing obedience when we're doing obedience, so i got to listen when i got to listen, and then we have a lot of fun when we have a lot of fun. So what does that tell your dog? What would, what would that tell me if I had an A and B schedule in my life? Let's say work, right? So on Monday, I did admin stuff, all just paperwork. And then Tuesday, I did a lot of dog training. And then Wednesday, I did all this paperwork. I'm going to look forward to Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday. Absolutely, I'm going to look forward to that. Right? Because if I don't look forward to that, what's the point of Monday and Wednesday? All that paperwork. What's what's the reinforcement at the end of that paperwork? All right, well, I did my job. Okay. Right? That might be good for some people. But let's just say I'm more... I'm more physically motivated. <laughs> Physical activities motivate me more than getting paperwork done. It's just what it is. So, obedience, lore, obedience. If you don't have a lore, you'd say obedience, chase a toy, obedience. That would be the best thing to do. Okay? And then you would also consider doing obedience with a toy. That's wonderful because that tells the dog if you want to chase something if you want to be released to do the fun activity you have to listen that's just those are the rules that is what it is everybody goes well my dog doesn't listen around those things that's right because you've never trained at that level of intensity for long enough to see any reasonable results and then you'd say okay well now after my dog can do obedience around the lore I'm going to start the lore I'm going to make it run my dog's going to do obedience then. Then we're going to run a little bit. And we're going to go right back to obedience. And you're going to do that. And then, after all that, you're going to send your dog to the lore. And you're going to recall them back. Now, this is where having two people come in handy. You send them to the lore. And you recall them back. If they get to the lore. And they didn't recall back. What happens? Well, you failed, right? Your dog failed because you failed. If you have two people, you have somebody stand on the lore, right? That then teaches the dog, well, if you don't listen, you don't get to chase the lore. You don't get the lore. Regarding what is the reward for the dog? Is it the actual chase or is it the capture of the toy, the lore? Right, so you have to determine that. What's the proper reinforcement there? Is it the chase? Or is it the toy? Now you can use the lore as the reward for the obedience. You can get to that point. But that's advanced and we'll talk about that, I guess, at another time. We will be right back to the episode after a word from our sponsor. Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. 
You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Number three is timing. Your timing must be impeccable. Timing is not something in dog training. Timing is everything in dog training. If you are early, you give the wrong message. If you are late, you give the wrong message. What exactly do you have to have good timing on? You have to have good timing on reinforcement. You have to have good timing on delivery of the reward. right? So let's say you're using a marker. And you've marked the behavior. You've said, great job, awesome. But now you got to go over to your truck and you got to get a tennis ball because you forgot to put it in your pocket. And now your dog's doing something they shouldn't be doing. But because you marked and you know that because you marked you have to reward, you throw the tennis ball anyway. And now your dog goes, all right, well, one, there's way too much time between the mark and the reward, which means they don't make an association. Number two, the mark is devalued, which means the next time you go to use it, you're going to complain that they're not caring about it you weren't prepared for the training which makes no sense why would you even train if you're not prepared makes no sense and finally your dog now gets reinforced for doing the thing that they shouldn't have been doing they were messing off when you were getting the tennis ball or they were being crazy and acting a fool you're going to say they have high ball drive which they don't they're motivated by the ball next reinforcement frequency How often are you reinforcing? Are you reinforcing enough? Are you not reinforcing enough? Right? What are you reinforcing? What is the reinforcer? Have you done a preference test with your dog? Does your dog even know that you have a reward? Have you become the the magical being that produces rewards when your dog does something good? If not, then you're not doing it right. Your dog needs to be so convinced that you have the good stuff, that they shouldn't even want to go anywhere else. Okay, But reward frequency means how many times are you rewarding your dog? Not reinforcement history. That's Reinforcement history is how many times for one behavior your dog has been reinforced over a period of time. Reward frequency is how often you're rewarding. So you're rewarding after every single sit. Are you rewarding every 10 minutes? What is it? It's too long for 10 minutes, by the way, unless you've specifically worked on that. But what I want to talk about is the variable reward schedule, which I believe I've made a podcast about. If I haven't, I will make another one. It seems to be in the realm of dog training, but not a lot of people are doing it and not a lot of people are talking about it. If you are, congratulations. You are one step ahead of everybody else. Variable reward scheduling is... First, doing an intermittent reward, right? Okay, so let's go all the way back. Continuous reward, reward every single time the behavior happens. Reward on a consistent basis. Intermittent is a ratio. Every two behaviors get a reward. Every three behaviors get a reward. Every four behaviors get a reward. And then variable is when you alter all of those. So you might do four, ten, three, nine. You know, I have a habit of yo-yoing back and forth like that. So you want to make it as random as possible. This way, the dog starts to go, okay, I don't know how many repetitions I need to do, but there's an opportunity for me to get rewarded the next time I do this behavior. Right? 
So let me think of an example really quick for you guys. Hmm. Let's think about a, a, a jar of candy. Okay, like jelly beans. And there's a couple that are good in there, and there's a couple that are bad. Now, because of your reinforcement history, you know that jelly beans are delicious. You love jelly beans. So you reach your hand in, you pull them out. And let's say you really like the strawberry or the cherry ones. Okay, the pink and the red ones. But there's also this lime green one that you don't really like. I don't even know if these are real jelly flavors. I'm not a jelly bean fan. But it gets the point across. Right, so you love strawberry and cherry, but you don't really like the lime. So you pull out a handful, and you got like four or five cherry and strawberry, but you only got two lime. So you're like, oh, cool. So you're okay with that because the majority is reinforced. So you eat the ones you like, and you put the lime back. You do it again. You reach into the jar. You come back out. Now, instead of having, let's say, an 80% reward rate of cherry and strawberry, now you have 70. You're like, all right. So you have the cherry and strawberry, and you put the lime back. You do that a couple times, and on average, you're getting a high value of cherry and strawberry. Now what happens as there starts to be more lime, because you're not eating them, you put them back into the jar, they start to be in there more, which means you're going to grab more as you pull them out. So you pull out more, and there's less and less and less of the cherry and strawberry. So that is slowly weaning you off of this reward history, reward frequency. But what happens? I don't know. This has actually happened to me with like Skittles and Mike and Ike's and stuff. But let's say with the jelly beans, you get towards the bottom. Everybody does this. You start looking for the exact one you want, and you got to scour through all of these limes and you keep going through and you keep going through and you keep going through and eventually you find a strawberry or cherry and you get so excited and you eat that one that just reinforced you for trying that much harder and now you're going to do it again right and eventually you're going to go okay there's no more cherry and strawberry in here and that is what it is but it progressively got harder and harder but only progressively enough for you to still succeed right only progressed enough for you to still succeed that's what we want with our dogs how do we push them slightly further but still have them succeed and reward them according if we're not doing that then we're not fully going through the process so back to predatory aggression your dog is predatory aggression reacting Let's say they chase squirrels. So you're going for a walk. La -di -da -di -da. Your dog's walking next to you. Absolutely perfect. Nice loose leash. You got your toy. You got your treats with you. Whatever. Squirrel sprints past you. What is your first reaction? Oh, this is squirrel. Your dog's first reaction is probably one of two things. Either to actively get engaged and trying to chase. Or pause for a moment. If your dog is actively trying to chase, you should be recalling them back. Right? If your dog can't be recalled back, then you need to work on it. And you need to work on making exciting things happen out there 
like a squirrel running by, right? You can just get a friend to take a fishing pole, tie a toy to the end of it, and have him reel it in really quick past your dog while you're doing obedience. You got to think of these distraction levels and how to fix them. So you do that a whole bunch. Let's say for a month. A month later, you're out for your walk again. Squirrel runs by. Dog moves forward. Doesn't freak out as much as it did last time, but it moves forward. And you recall it back. Excuse me, I had a, a very big yawn. So, you recall them back. They come right back to you. And you deliver a treat. You deliver a tennis ball, a toy, whatever it may be. <clears throat> you deliver the good stuff. The goods, right? Now you got reinforced for all the hard work you did. But what if the opposite happened? You put in minimal work for the past month. You did a little bit. You only rewarded them in very certain scenarios. You wore a very specific vest. You had a very specific toy with you. And half the time you just got angry at your dog because they weren't listening. What's going to happen? Squirrel goes by. Your dog still doesn't know the proper thing to do. And they're going to lunge forward. You're going to try to recall them back. They're not going to respond because you haven't done a good job in training. And now they don't turn back to you. And because they don't turn back to you, you don't get reinforced. So you give up on all the training that you just did for the past month because you didn't actually do training that was necessary for that situation. It just is what it is, right? So you don't get reinforced. Maybe you call up another trainer to help you out. They have a different method, which involves correcting the dog every time they chase forward. And then we get into, well, now it's not predatory aggression. It's learned aggression. It's pain-induced aggression. Because now every time they see the squirrel, they get corrected and they experience an uncomfortable situation. And to make that pain lessen or go away, they react. Is what it is. Okay. So you have to set up training scenarios if your dogs have these problems. If you need help setting up these training scenarios, please head over to matadorcanine.com. I'd be more than happy to help you out. We do virtual coaching, give you a nice little training plan, get you all set up. Got this problem fixed in a month or two, if that. If you train every day consistently and you actually go through the motions and the process, and you work through it. You got to work through it. It's going to be hard and you're going to have setbacks. But if you work through it, you can do it. Now, I want to leave on this note. Okay, I'm going to say one more thing. There was a discussion in my comments, one of my social media platforms most recently, about dogs that, when they have prey drive, right, when they're, they're high in prey drive, no, when they have predatory aggression, they can't be stopped. Chasing after something, they can't be stopped. There's no way. And to that, I asked the question, if a dog in police work is trained in predatory aggression, okay, so the decoy stimulates and rewards predatory aggression, then, number one, predatory aggression means the dog is quiet and calm. Because if they were going to chase something, they wouldn't make a lot of noise. So if your dog's making a lot of noise, they don't have predatory aggression. 
for the most part. Your dog might be messed up. <laughs> Genetically, they might be messed up. But anyway, right? So they should be able to sit and be calm and quiet. And if they do go forward, let's say in police work, you send that dog on a bite. You send them to go take that bite. They don't do it on their own. Okay, those police dogs are not supposed to be doing that on their own. A person should not just let the dog go and hope for the best. That is a danger for the dog. That is a danger for the officer. If you're behind cover, right, let's say you're behind the door of the police car and you let your dog out and they chase after the guy and now your suspect turns around and pulls a gun out, you need to be able to recall your dog. Because if you don't recall your dog, you're going to run out and try to go save your partner from getting shot. You're going to get shot. Your dog's going to get shot. And now someone else is going to run in to save you guys, and they're going to get potentially injured. It's just a, a downfall effect. So you need to be able to recall them back in any scenario under any condition. If you don't know how to do that, you need to know how to do that. You need to learn how to teach a dog on a dime. When I recall them back, they better turn around and whip so fast they give themselves whiplash. And when they come back to me, reward. Good. Right? And yes, that takes practice. So you have a guy out in the field on a bite suit. You have somebody with a toy. You send your dog to go play with them. Right? Boom playing and you recall them back boom now that becomes learned aggression not predatory aggression we've shifted the mindset so if your dog's chasing after squirrels teach them how to do it in the way that's beneficial to you think about shepherds australian shepherds uh, german shepherds all you know all the dogs that were bred to work on farms you don't think at one point in history they got something, right? They killed a sheep or they killed a duck or whatever it is. Somebody had to train that animal not to do that. <laughs> and I'm sure you could not take a dog from the city, right? And maybe there's a certain level that you could. But personally, I would not take a city German Shepherd, Australian Shepherd, and just put them in a field and say, all right, go to work. Yes, there is a genetic composition to where they will do a decent job. Okay. But there's also the possibility, just like you guys are saying, every dog is different. There's a possibility that that dog is going to run up and just bite the hell out of one of those animals. And that's not something I would want. So I would take the time to train. I'd probably have a round pen, put the animals in a round pen, the herding animals in a round pen, and have my dog go around the sides of it. Getting used to what I need them to do. And if I recall them, they get recalled. And I would start and end every single exercise with obedience. Think about retrievers. Okay, dogs in a nice perfect sit, nice and relaxed. They are super excited to go get that bird, that game, whatever it was. And you could shoot 30 times and miss stuff. But every single time they hear a shot, they think they're going to go and get the item, right? But they don't. Because they don't get reinforced. Why don't they get reinforced? Because they didn't do it, right? The whole picture isn't done. 
So that sounded kind of confusing, right? Okay, so your, your lab's next to you. You shoot an animal. They get reinforced when the bird actually dies, and you actually send them to go get it. They don't get reinforced until then. So the longer they have to wait, the more this is, right? They're like, oh, maybe the next time, maybe the next time, maybe the next time. And eventually, they do get reinforced. And they got reinforced for not only the time that just happened, but every single time before where they waited and they were patient. Remember that the next time you think your dog can't be taught something. Okay? Your dog is brilliant. Do not lower them to something less than brilliant. They are incredible athletes. They are brilliantly educated. Even the ones that are derpy and goofy. Okay? Get out there. Get training. Good luck. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you think family or friends would benefit from what you heard today on Acknowledged Dogs, please share it with them. You can post it on Facebook. We are also on every social media platform, so make sure you tag us, Matador Canine. You can also head over to Matador Canine and schedule a free consultation to talk about coaching and reaching the goals with your dog and those problem behaviors. Reach the goals that you want and have the dog that always listens. Thank you.